Hey, um, I remember going on a tour of uh, a school that my I was looking at for my daughter, and uh, and I, I kept I kept this uh, with me, and the teacher taking the tour said, "We don't we don't give the students uh, the information. We teach the students how to find out the information." a really big recruitment drive for faculty and because our faculty is so uh, internationally diverse and because our student body is as well um, we have just over 200 students in the building now and I think we average about 36 nations across those just over 200 students. to a group of students this week I, I was saying like what's special about a group and whether that's a production team or a company or a group of students making their first project is that that coming together of those people in that time with that piece of script or devised work or whatever it may be only happens once. Welcome to the Theatre Art Life podcast. Today we're talking with Jackie George. Jackie has been working in stage and production management the last 25 years with a major focus on conservatory training. She has taught at several conservatories and is a Master of Education and a Senior Fellow of the Higher Education Academy. In 2018, Jackie became part of the senior leadership team at the Sharjah Performing Arts Academy to design and implement a conservatory performing and production art undergraduate training in the MENA region. Jackie has worked with professional companies such as National Theatre Wales, National Youth Theatre of Great Britain, and Shared Experience. She has toured the UK extensively, produced rep seasons in the West End, and internationally worked in Shanghai World Expo, Berliner Festspiele, and Bafos City of Culture. Jackie also enjoys producing work with her and her husband's company, We, Ma we Made This. Jackie was one half of Standby Please, the stage management podcast with Antonia Collins, and she's project director of World Stage Design 2025. Oh, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yes. Thank you for joining us all the way from the UAE. Um, let's get started with uh, the question of where we usually start with our guests is, how did you particularly get into the arts and what was your journey into uh, management? Well, I guess, like for a lot of people that I talk with, it was a it was a bit of a happy accident. Uh, I grew up in South Wales in the UK, and uh, my family, whilst really in, loved going to theatre, or there was always music playing in our house. We weren't a particularly. I can't say my dad was an actor or my mum worked in theatre. Uh, so, but whatever I did, they always encouraged me to do it with a hundred percent commitment. So I knew I loved, I used to go to dancing, like a lot of young people from uh, uh, the age of five. And then I did my A-levels and uh, uh, one of them was in performing arts. And I knew I loved theatre, but I knew I didn't want to be on the stage. So I went and did my undergraduate degree in London at St. Mary's and I did classics and theatre studies. And whilst I was there, uh, one of the final year students asked me to stage manage her her final piece, her, her last project. 
And I didn't really know, I'd done one module in it uh, with a, the fantastic tutor that we had at St. Mary's, but I didn't really know it uh, very sort of early in my stage management journey. So I thought, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. I'll give it a go. And from then it all began, really. I graduated and I thought, right, what am I going to do with this? It wasn't via a, a specific program, but I thought I'm just going to try and, and do some do some work, do some jobs. So I got my first freelance contract as an ASM uh, and then that sort of just snowballed. Uh, but I always knew I love the theatre. I always knew I love arts. I think until recently, I denied I was creative because I was the stage manager and I was the the organizer, the the realizer. But actually, I, I sort of admit it now and and recognize that I think which is in all of us as stage managers somewhere in our practice. So that's how it all began. And then you went off and did a a lot of stage management and production management. Yes, that's right. I. I stayed in London. I decided that if I was going to do it, that was the right place for me to be at that time. Uh, and I was, I always uh, think of the work I've done that I am so, so fortunate and so, so lucky to work with uh, incredible companies. And I worked for companies such as Shared Experience, where I did a lot of national touring, I worked for companies such as National Youth Theatre of Great Britain. And then at one point, I had a stage management contract with a uh, drama school in North London called Mount View, and they produced uh, they produced a season of about twenty five uh, shows a year at the time, and they didn't have their own venue. Well, they did have a venue, uh, but it quickly became not very uh, not most practical to use because it had a tree growing in the upstage left wings. Wow. So that brought its own problems. <laughs> so I mean, I that's a, kind of cool, though. <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing. It was amazing. Like, you'd look at the ground plan and you'd see this, like, big sort of circular blob in the upstage left corner. Uh, <laughs> but everyone that's sort awesome. of loved the tree. And, and rumour was it was, a, it was a registered tree, which is why the theatre was built around it. Oh, if you stood from hilarious. the outside and uh, crouch hell, you'd look above the roof and you'd see this sort of beautifully spouting tree. <laughs> uh, so when it became a bit impractical to carry on using that theatre, uh, yeah, they used venues all across London. And I really enjoyed it, actually, because it was an opportunity to to do a job that I loved, but also work with people who were learning their craft and learning their trade and to do it in a as as real as simulated an environment as as it could be and work with mm -hmm. professionals and with that comes the good and the bad and from the good and the bad comes all of the best learning uh so that started my journey with working with a uh, young trainee stage managers lighting technicians sound technicians engineers uh and then from there i, I also did some work for the national youth theater of great britain uh, and that that took me down a different different path as well because uh that was a beautiful sort of summer program where students from across the uk spent a residential few weeks over the summer learning the different disciplines uh but also uh worked on shows with them then uh, as a stage manager and then as a production manager. Uh, we used to do a West End season. We used to play two shows in rep 
on top of uh, a regular running show. So all the logistical challenges that come with that and traveled with them as well. Uh, but again, seeing not only the stage managers and, and the lighting technicians and the sound and the costume, but also the young performers as well. And um, for me, there's always a really strong synergy between uh, and I think sometimes in certain places it gets lost, but the synergy between uh, training and professional practice should be really closely tied together. I often talk to people and we say, you know, w- which informs what? Is it the training informing how the industry functions or vice versa? And which way should it be? Or who can we learn the best bits off? Um, and from there, that's where my sort of career followed. I, I've had a uh, time of teaching full time in conservatoire buildings in London and then going back, uh, doing that for a few years and going back into the industry. Because it's really important for me that my practice remains current. Um, I think it's quite easy to be in a building and to talk about it a lot. But I think to do it is the best way to teach it. And also for the students that I teach and train, uh, learning from them as well. And I can take that back into my own work. And then from there, uh, stayed in London and moved back to Wales, back to be sort of closer with family and, and carries on working there. And then this, I had an opportunity to, to take that work overseas and develop something, which is what I did then in 2018 when I moved to the UAE. Ah, that's amazing. So we will talk about that, but I want to go back to your stepping into the education realm through those um, youth theatre and things like that. Do you? I want to. I want to ask you. Seeing you do that, did that come naturally to you? And do you think because not everybody can do the craft and also teach it, right? So did you feel like you had to go through a growth curve to be able to teach people, or does that come quite naturally to you? No, I, d- I don't think it does come naturally. I think I'm still good in that curve, Anna. <laughs> and I see, I, but I see it a lot with uh, people I work with and people I teach with. And I think certainly our industry and the training of our industry, you have a lot of educators who come direct from industry with a lot of experience. We're not traditionally, we're not academics. Mm. Uh and I think then with that comes the insecurity and the doubts uh, that you have as I'm not an academic, I'm not a teacher, I know how to do my job or whatever job that is, but do I know how to teach it? So a lot of my work at the moment is about just reinforcing those skills for people who teach um, that have this enormous, like beautiful wealth of experience of working in the industry uh, and just giving them a few tools to to understand how they teach. And then via me doing that, I also get to, to reinforce my skills as well. Because actually when you get given those tools about how to teach, then I think it actually, you realise that what you are doing is the right thing. It's just the, the affirmation of that. Mm. So still learning mm. and still have things to learn, but definitely getting more comfortable with it. I love your uh, thought about whether the education system feeds the industry or the industry feeds the education system. I'm going to have to think about this for a while. I I honestly hope that there's going to be more of the education feeding the system because, um, (laughs) yes, 
There's so many yeah. practices we really need to change. Yeah, but we need to get the educators who know what the issues are into the education system to teach it, right? True. So that's the the cyclical thing. But I, I, I'm I'm really going to stew on that, uh, um, Jackie. I'm going to be <laughs> thinking about that. Sometimes people say something, and I just like that's like I'm going to be thinking about that for a week now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I like that you, you know you're still learning, and I think that is something that's um, because also as you're learning and the industry is changing, there's obviously still new things to keep you know, staying present in what's going on in the industry so that that then can be wrapped into it. And I guess um, you would experience that as technology changes and processes changes and even from a stage management perspective, you know, five years ago I, I never used Google Sheets and now I use Google Sheets all the time, right? So how do you stay up with that and, and how do you sort of share that with your students? Is it a like let's just keep growing together or what's your approach Oh, such a great question. How how do we stay current? It's it's one that's at the forefront of everything when we're we're designing programs, looking at programs, because uh, when we were writing the the undergraduate programs of where I currently work, uh, we talked a lot about future proofing. Not only how do you future proof a course, but how do you future proof a graduate's training? Because we can train somebody now, and they can be absolutely industry ready when they graduate next year. But then how does their practice remain current? And I think it's about the the approach and the ethos of uh, what you teach. So, for example, uh, the what I call like the, the ABCs of stage management, right? So that, that's the easy part. But it's actually teaching students how to be autonomous, how to be uh, self-initiate, how to be proactive rather than reactive, as opposed to um, how to do the the hard elements of the job. So if we train problem solvers, if we teach critical thinkers, then any everything will always continue to change. Like we can't um, the, the easiest analogy for me is that if we're talking more in the technical uh, education fields, because, okay, you teach a student um, one, one sound desk and they go, to, they go on tour or they don't take the desk with them or they go into a smaller venue and it's not that sound desk. Does that make them then more uh, or less employable or do you give them the skills that they, they ne- we're never going to have the capacity to teach them every sound desk or lighting board or whatever it may be. But if you give them the skills, they, they can learn it. They can figure out how to teach themselves. They can find out the answers to the questions. I, um, I remember going on a tour of uh, a school that my, I was looking at for my daughter and, uh, and I, I kept, I kept this uh, with me and the the teacher taking the tour said we don't we don't give the students uh, the information we teach the students how to find out the information and I was like that's it right that's that's a, the most important life skill because there's no way we can give them all the information so I think that's how you keep it current is that you give them the tools that graduates can find out what's current and how to practice what's going on at that moment or not even going on at the moment but actually um make them the what give them the tools that they can be the ones that are making the the tomorrow's technology or the way to do something or the best practice to have and so eventually all this um the this seems to test test this this process and you seem to have started a while back when you started doing all this 
uh, 25 productions a year, which I think it's crazy. <laughs> and then it's been carrying on and then you've been um, sharpening this process, I guess, now that you're in Sharjah. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Uh, my sort of career has switched between uh, teaching and then I've gone back into industry and then I've gone back into teaching. Uh, so just before I uh, moved to Sharjah for this opportunity, um, I was I was having the time of my life. I was probably doing the best professional work I'd ever done. And I mean that not as in, you know, what was getting the best reviews or the biggest praise, but I was enjoying it the most. Uh, so I discovered that actually the work I like to make, and I'm, I guess I'm theatre through and through, uh, but the work I like to make is site-specific because that's where, for me as a stage manager, I get the most challenges to solve. Because you make a show in a theatre, you have four walls, you put it on the stage, you might have the same sort of company challenges or dynamics or financial or scheduling. Those, If the text change or the, the director changes, you'll see a pattern of themes and challenges that come up. But for site-specific, for me, you get to a place where you're not only thinking about how the the storytelling functions in a stage manager capacity, but also how the site functions. So I remember doing, uh, we did a, a production for, uh, it was the 1418 now centenary that the UK government had funded. <clears throat> and it was a production called Mammoths, which is about the, uh, the Battle of Mammoths that had happened in the First World War, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm just going to grab a drop of water. And um, <clears throat> it's, it was over a huge, huge site, acres of farmland. This this farmer, it was a production for National Theatre Wales, uh, in the middle of Wales had crazily agreed to, to loan us his farm for six weeks. We recreated trenches, we had French cafes, we had no man's land. Uh, it, it was, you know, and then we had to battle with actors who were doing, you know, full, authentic World War I military uniforms in Welsh rain. And you had two shows a day. So where could they get dry, shower, etc.? Um, but the, the sense of teamwork on those types of productions for me I think it what really makes something special so I was doing that and uh, I, I felt like I had this whole sort of bag of new ideas and tools about what stage management was and how I wanted to teach it uh, when this uh, opportunity came up where uh, the the emirate I'm in now, Sharjah, for those who don't know, it's the third largest emirate uh, in the UAE. So Abu Dhabi, uh, Dubai, and then Sharjah. And Sharjah is known as the cultural emirate. A few years ago, it was the uh, Islamic cultural capital of the world. Hugely passionate um, and driven about education, publishing, arts and theatre. And they recognised uh, His Highness Sheikh Kazimi, who whose vision was to to create this academy. That uh, a lot of the skill set that was working in the country was um, 
flying in. It was flown in. And, and I, that was my experience of it as well. Lots of friends and colleagues who, who would come in, do an international day event, leave. And there was no grown talent within the UAE. So... In 2018, I came over to visit in the April. I looked uh, at the site where uh, Sharjah Performing Arts Academy is now uh, based. It was a building site full of breeze blocks. Um, the the pit for the main theatre was there was being sort of dug out. Uh, and Peter Barlow, who's our executive director, was recruiting for three programme leaders, one for production arts, one for acting and one for musical theatre. So we came and we talked and what the plan was and I was just like, what better opportunity to take all of the skills or knowledge that I'd gained in the different academies, uh, um, whether it was London-based or more regional and that professional and create something that was responsive to the, the environment that we're placed in or I was placed in right now. So... Uh, my family were very understanding and were really supportive and we all got on the plane and uh, we moved out here in the September 2018. The building was finished February 2019. We got our accreditation from the, uh, the Ministry of Education and we opened our doors to students in the September 2019. Wow, that's amazing. So you were there from the very beginning. Um, and, like, what was... What was the cultural shift for you personally to move to the Middle East and then work with people that were, you know, most of your work was done in, I, I guess, around the UK and perhaps in Europe, but not and even in Asia, but not necessarily in the Middle East. Did you? Was there a lot of learning to be had in that process for you? Uh, yes and no. Yes and no. So I think I spent that first year just just going out, just learning, just meeting people, just talking. And that was absolutely invaluable. And um, I was fortunate in that first year that we didn't have students. So I was in the position that we were program writing, uh, gaining the license as a, a higher education institution so I could go out and have these conversations. So within that, I got the opportunity to meet. Um, and, and there's this beautiful beautiful Arabic theatre culture and practice and tradition attend some of the most amazing festivals I think there's the festival scene here for theatre and when I say here I mean across that MENA region is vast it's one of the biggest festival scenes that I know of like every other week you've got the the decaf festival in Cairo for experimental theatre you have the Arabic Theatre Festival. I'm looking forward next month. We have the Desert Theatre Festival where we get five countries and we literally go into the desert and we watch a different country's play every night. And, you know, there's camels walking past through the dunes in the background. Plus, you know, the Architecture Biennale opens next week. We've got the Book Publishing Festival on. So it was, it was a real eye-opener and education for me. And then because uh, we had a, a really big recruitment drive for faculty. And because our faculty is so uh, internationally diverse, and because our student body is as well, um, we have just over 200 students in the building now. And I think we average about 36 nations across those just over 200 students. 
Mm. So, and the faculty added into that mix then as well, which come from all across the globe, uh, it really enabled us to design a curriculum that was truly international. And there's lots of conversations in different academies and uh, conservatoires about how you uh, you have that intersectional, that culturally rich, open curriculum. But it's it's sort of daily happening in front of my eyes with everyone just bringing their own experience and that's also enabled by uh we have a fantastic um we're very fortunate to have a brilliant scholarship program which again which was a major factor for me coming here when I could see not only the financial investment but also the the emotional and the intellectual investment of such an academy because we have students from across that MENA region, if they interview or audition successfully, they receive full scholarship, uh, which allows, you know, we have students from uh, Morocco, Tunisia, Algeria, Syria, Palestine, Saudi, UAE, and many others in the mix. And that makes, I think, a really unique learning environment so it's been a learning journey and one that I'm still discovering stuff but I think maybe what the expected cultural differences were uh weren't there I think and it was a real it was a real sort of rich environment to teach theatre because there's so much happening amazing and now a note from our sponsor the Theatre Art Live podcast is proud to be sponsored by Clearcom. Clearcom is the leader in voice communications for theatre and the performing arts. Call your cues with the simplicity and elegance of Clearcom Intercom Solutions. You can find them at clearcom.com. Go check them out. And now you're adding into the mix um, uh, the world stage design in, in Sharjah? Yeah, no, like, like we didn't have enough to do. <laughs> What, tell thought, us what the world stage design is. I don't even know what this is. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, OISTAT, uh, which is the international organization of theater designers and technicians, uh, have this quadrennial event, world stage design. Uh, it was in Calgary last year. It's been in Taipei. It's been in Cardiff. It's been, so that would be my sort of first interaction of it was when it was, uh, in the city I was currently living and working in. And they do a huge, various different commissions of uh, theatre architecture commissions, sound commissions, line commissions, costume commissions. But every four years, they put out to tender the opportunity to host and organise world stage design. So there's, there's four parts. that The main or one of the parts being uh, this beautiful uh exhibition of the last four years work of uh, scenic uh, scenographers designers who submit their uh, they have to be realized designs right. and then there's a jury that select the top x amount and there's the theater architecture prize there's a technical innovation prize uh, so it's a real sort of international uh, coming together so the tender of 2025 went out and uh, it's never been held uh, in this region. And going back to what I've just said about the the sort of the richness of provision here and the amount of skill set in the country, like on that in that sort of in terms of 
people working here doing their craft it's it's pretty phenomenal we were like why why don't we host it here why don't we see if this is a, a real opportunity so we put our bid together um we put it to uh, the Oystart executive committee and they they decided it was the right time for us to do it so we're in the midst of planning for that which is really exciting and how many people would, would people come to charge our particularly like where is it going to be held and what does that look like when when it happens it'll be uh in Sharjah and then it'll be in the wider UAE so a lot of the activity there's performances workshops master classes talks some of it will be in Sharjah Performing Arts Academy we some of it will be in the heart of Sharjah where we have this beautiful area that has Sharjah National Theatre, Sharjah Theatre Institute, Sharjah Art Foundation. There's the other side of Sharjah. Um, random fact for you here, Sharjah is the only emirate that covers both coasts in the UAE. So towards the other side of the Khalsa Khan, we've got the beautiful amphitheatre, uh, which will be hopefully uh, hosting some events in. And then we're also uh, having conversations with partners and uh, nationally about what other events will take place across Dubai, Abu Dhabi, etc. Oh, that sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. I don't know how you're going to do that and still continue with all the curriculum of uh, the Sharjah Academy. It must be a lot on your plate right now, Jay. <laughs> well, yeah. So uh, actually coming this December, I'll be taking a side step. So I'll be stepping away from the delivery uh, at, I'm in my post at Sharjah Performing Arts Academy and I'm going to be going back to it's that flip back to industry so I'll be focusing on world stage design and also doing some other freelance projects as well so it'll give me a little bit more time to uh, concentrate on world stage also. Amazing. What do you so what would you say is the most um, uh, challenging project that you've undertaken because you seem to have taken all of this within your stride pretty well. But is there been projects that have really been a, a, a big step for you? Uh, oh yeah, for sure. I think I think a lot of projects when you're in it in the moment, that's the pro- the project that gives you the problems, right? You think, how am I going to do this? And then you always navigate away. Um, what's been my most challenging? This is certainly. Do you know what this this has? had its challenges but because of the the support and the team and the and the conversation around it actually it hasn't hasn't been a difficult challenge or there hasn't been sort of and there's always been a way to navigate it or to find compromise in it um I think there was there was one particular I've just jumped back to a show it was the it was the 10-year anniversary of the uh, Wales Millennium Centre Uh, which um, it was a big outdoor event. And for anyone who knows that particular venue, just outside, there's like what they call the basin. And uh, it was decided, it was uh, a co-production with a company called Walk the Plank and they specialise in outdoor arts. So there were lots of sort of really large scale puppets, um, lots of fire, building, climbing, aerialists on the roof, uh, ladders that were just, you know, you're talking of like 30 meter ladders that would just magically appear for somebody to climb up, telehandlers. Uh, I think we had a cast of about um, 300, 400 with community performers as well. And uh, part of the performance, uh, pri- the week prior to this event around the coast of Wales, uh, 
there was a team of rowers who were who were rowing the coast of Wales <laughs> and magically at the right time would row into the bay <laughs> to be greeted by this uh, this mythical Welsh uh, character from the Mabinogion, which is a, a folk story in Wales. <laughs> wow. And we had yeah, we had a team there was about 15 stage managers on that project. We had the most incredible production manager, uh, a woman called Sarah Cole, who I have all admiration for in her work. And uh we talked through possibilities, eventualities, we had stilt walkers. Um we the, the audience capacity was twelve thousand, but it was just a sort of show up and you know and watch event. Uh, and I remember on the day thinking, okay, <laughs> if this doesn't happen, what are the consequences? And, and, you know, we had all of our contingencies and our backups and whatever, uh, but it, it all went fine. It all happened on the night, as they say. <laughs> it sounds like so much fun, though. <laughs> it was, do you know what? It was one of the most stressful, but one of my most best productions I've worked on. Mm stays with you right those ones that cause you the most like oh stay in your brain (laughs) the the I always say the best the best projects are the the ones that are most hard won right like if you get across the line and it's and you've made it it's it's a satisfaction even when nobody else knows but you do (laughs) yeah exactly it's it's, it's the duck effect right we talked loads about the duck effect or the swan effect but uh there's, there's loads of bird analogies that uh, my friends and I use in stage management. Like you've got the, the sort of the paddling frantically beneath the water and the gliding along. And uh, there's, an, there's another uh, colleague, you probably know Gail Palin. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, she does this great uh, owl analogy. Like a good stage manager is the owl that, you know, you might be having a conversation here, but you yeah. can do your owl sort of 360 and know what's going on behind you. that's awesome I love that we always finish our podcasts uh, Jackie with a couple of questions so I want to ask you what is your most favorite thing about your job or the industry my most favorite thing you know it's this may sound a little cliche because I'm sure we hear this from lots of people but it's the people you work with right because that 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 team or that dynamic like happens in that one moment I was saying this to a group of students this week I I was saying like what's special about a group and whether that's a production team or a company or a group of students making their first project is that that coming together of those people in that time with that piece of script or devised work or whatever it may be only happens once and that's what's truly unique and like that the friendships or the disagreements or the the beautiful moments of collaboration only happen in that one sort of moment in time and I think it's it's those moments of teams coming together that I I really enjoy in my work. That's awesome. It's funny because I we that is something that's quite a regular um, contribution from people from all sides of the stage or backstage and things like that. And I've, I I thought about this the other day. I was thinking I need to like do this sort of test case where I ask another industry the same question because I want to know like if it's just us that enjoys working with each other or is it the other industry <laughs> like I, I like I need to go into no, no, was, I don't know it's like accounting or banking do you know what I mean like I just I want to I want to have some like, comparison model I need to get some data 
<laughs> what do you think, Completely girl? right. Because, like, if, yeah. can you imagine? Like, have you ever heard of anyone who works in theatre, whether it's on or off stage, that doesn't like, you know, that wants to be in their own company? Because, like, you just you don't do it. And that That's whole it. idea of collaboration, which I think is a is um. A fascinating word. That's one of my most favourite words in theatre because it's a word that gets super misused and misunderstood and a word that gets uh, should be used with more with more understanding or more sort of commitment. Like, cause, you know, you get lots of um, get lots of people saying, oh, let's collaborate. I want to do a collaboration. And what quite often that sort of interprets to is, can you do this for me <laughs> or yeah. can you provide that right and it's kind of that true collaboration like you know I read somewhere it was it was in one of the it was a book about production collaboration and it was like I'll bring red you bring blue let's make purple and I was like that's what it is right that's exactly what it is like you said it's not what you bringing some stuff that I need because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But it's interesting because I also think the other unique situation is the people that are collaborating around the table in the theatre environment are very different people, right? There's a stage manager who's different from a lighting designer, different to a sound person, different to an actor, different to an artistic director. And when you think about that, we all work in the one industry, but we're all very different mindsets. We're very different wiring. We're very different. And there's a lot of respect between you can get on stage and bang out that musical song. I can't do that, but I can go, you know, I can do this and I can play this part. So it forces collaboration because you can't do it as in a silo, right? Like if we were just stage managers, what would we be doing? There'd be nothing to stage manage if there was not a team around, right? So, um, and I wonder that, again, if we were to sort of apply that to another, say, the banking industry, well, they're all somehow involved in banking, right? They're not necessarily coming from a completely different perspective like a lighting designer and a milliner right like (laughs) so it's fascinating to me it's so true so true (laughs) you got me thinking on whether it is um a little bit the fact that like what you said anna that it's a a team effort and i wonder if like the people that would relate a little bit more to us would be like sports player that work in teams or maybe scientists that really need the input from the other to to build their final product mm. more so that maybe a group of players but who knows yeah yeah we do this it just reminded me we do this amazing project it's my favorite point of the year with the students um the uh, the the BA programs at Sharjah Performing Arts Academy are four years. Uh, and the first year, no matter what program you're enrolled onto, you all do exactly the same path study. So all the production arts students will do some voice classes and dance classes. All of the acting students, I remember uh, saying to somebody, like, well, the acting students do their, like, you know, Mortis and Tenon in the workshop. And everyone was like, what? And I was like, no, it'd be fine. We'll, you know, we'll take it slowly. We'll make sure. But the, the level of understanding and appreciation, just what you were talking about, Anna, that they get from that is mm. absolutely fantastic. And they do this project. They, they do a, a musical theatre sharing. And uh, it's when I see the production arts students and the, and the, the sort of 
the diehard, I'm going to be a DSM or show caller students and like belting out a sort of a musical theatre number with so much passion. I love and it. And I like have this sort of like, oh my gosh, so much pride. And then they come off and they go, yeah, but I'm never doing that again. <laughs> but they get me, they appreciate it and they understand that the, the sort of the p- preparation and the commitment that that performer has to go through to do it. Yeah. Uh, in the moment, they don't always get it, but like, it's interesting six months 12 months down the line they're like oh I get now why we did that (laughs) yes that's amazing that's amazing (laughs) although I I have to say I don't know if anyone would want me to be belting out a tune because I can't (laughs) sing but I'd probably have fun doing it (laughs) 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 and if you could change one thing about the job or your industry what would that be oh oh my gosh just the one right (laughs) Narrow down. Oh. <laughs> um, it's it, it ties in, right? It ties in with the first answer. It ties in to team. It ties into collaboration. So, on that note, I'm going to say, if I could get rid of one thing, I, I'd get rid of. And I think I, maybe we've all had experience of this somewhere in our careers, but. I get rid of the egos <laughs> because I'm sure we've all had moments with it where the intention of whatever individual in whatever department brings their own, this is what I want, this is what I need, this is what's best for me in this production. And then that absolutely just diminishes the work of everyone else. And it could be in a, it could be in a comment, it could be in a, like a really sort of quick moment. Um, so I think if we could get rid of that somehow, uh, unfortunately they're fewer rather than more, but it, it would make a huge difference to all of the work and all of the, the people's emotions and attachment to working with shows. I think it would help a lot. Mm. I love that. And we haven't had that response, have we, Anna? Not quite like that. Uh, but, um, a few days ago I was doing this interview and, um, the person was saying and how challenging it is to work with other people. And then I ask, uh, what's your favorite thing to, about the job? And she said, the people. So I think there's this conundrum of uh, <laughs> we like working with each other, but we are also complicated people or complex, <laughs> let's say. Yeah. Complex individual. And what the real driver is, right? Like there's always going to be drivers of, well, we work to, to, to eat, to sleep, to live, like those are like the sort of, you know, primary functions. But the if I'm doing a show, then I want to do the show because I want it to be the best show it can be and I want it to be the best process it can be and the best journey with nobody's like, you know, well-being put at stake for that. But when I think when people bring their own, you know, this is the way I always do it or this is what I want to do, it's like, oh, okay, so let's look at the bigger picture. I think that's that's what I want to get back to. Wow, that's amazing. Production manager in you. Yeah, the production manager in you. (laughs) (laughs) Maggie, I want to ask, because you're in the UAE, do you have a person that would be a great podcast guest for us from that area? Because we try to dabble in the UAE, but we'd like some more guests from that area. Or maybe the brother Mena region. Yeah. What sort of, like, do you want more sort of performer or backstage or both or anyone or... We're open. Anyone in live entertainment. Interesting people. (laughs) Interesting people with a story to tell. 
oh my gosh, I, I'm sure. Leave it with me, uh, and I'll I'll have at least sort of four or five names I can put. I'll send them over to you, and then um, that will be lovely. And you no also problem. mentioned wonderful. See your production manager on that project with the with the rowing. Was it Sarah Cole? Yes. Would she be, would she be a good guest? Oh my gosh, she's awesome. So Sarah. Sarah works out of South Wales. She has her own um, uh, company, Sarah Co. But oh. she specialises in music festivals and theatre. But she's oh. and she's she works amazingly because um, uh, I love her when I work with her because she always her main thing is she says I'll put together the right team and the rest is done. So she's really good at putting the right team together. Oh, I want to talk about that. Let's do. Let's get Sarah on this podcast too. <laughs> what do you reckon, Anna? <laughs> She's brilliant. Yeah, no. Let's put together the right team. How many times we've we've talked about how hard it is to put together the right team and just oh, the right place. That's it. Absolutely, Jackie. Thank you so much for spending time with us on the Theatre Art Life podcast. It was such a pleasure to uh, talk to you about your work and your life in Sharjah. Thanks, both. It's been great to talk to you. Theatre at Life is a global media site for entertainment. Memberships start at only 38 US dollars per year. You can have unlimited access to our daily published articles, including entertainment news and the writings of active industry professionals, ensuring that you are always up to date on the global happenings in the world of entertainment. Become a part of the international entertainment community and join us now at www.theatreartlife.com.